0: Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't get away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he had one too many limoncellos and slipped off of his inflatable. It's Arturo Zurita. Zach, those limoncellos
1: get to you. Everybody knows that, but I am excited to talk about what is quite possibly... Uh, you called it a three-for-three three in terms of a series that has gone so up off off my list. I used to binge these shows once they were done. Zach's like, now nah, you gotta watch this on a weekly basis. Zach, I'm watching this on a weekly basis with my family. It is an actual <laughs> succession. Succession has, has caused the family to come together to see another family bigger with each other, and it has just been a blast to catch yep. every episode this season.
0: Anyone who said that it was slow? <laughs> oh, man. Awfully no, quiet is, uh, after this uh, finale, huh? Not a whole lot of Succession quiet. doubters on Twitter today. Uh, wow! Nope. What an episode! What a what Fantastic. a late season run! Just like banger after banger, all bangers all the time for the second half of the third season of Succession. Just remarkable stuff. We will get into it because it is uh, just some of the best TV out there. Uh, we'll get into all of that in a little bit. But first, let's start the way we normally start things off here with a little bit of what we are watching. Arturo, you took a little bit of a trip, I heard. You uh, I did, sir. headed down to Texas. Things are bigger in Texas, including the movies.
1: That's what they say, sir. Um, see, there's a, a little film out there that a lot of people had the chance to watch, either in the comfort of their own homes, uh, either you know, going to the theater, maybe catching it in IMAX, but. See, there's a difference when it comes to IMAX baby. You can't have that pinch and zoom IMAX where they try to fit the screens. Zach is lucky enough to live near probably one of the best IMAXes that we
0: Shout out Lincoln Center.
1: Have, uh, over at the Lincoln Square, right? Yep. Lincoln Center, my bad. Uh, here I am hoping that it was Close next enough. to me. That that theater right there goes up to 100 feet. We had a good one here once called the Navy Pier IMAX Theater that that was shut down, and AMC decided to not reopen. Every May time its Nolan comes out with a, a new movie, which is <laughs> rest in peace, that is a theater that uh, is specifically designed to handle movies from such creators as Christopher Nolan. You know, uh, right now with Denny as well, the theater always shuts down. It always shut down for Nolan. Why would I expect it to be open for uh, Denny? So I had to take the trip down to the nearest one, which just happened to be Texas. And I went down there to watch IMAX in its glorious 143, just super full aspect ratio, Zach. It was worth it. It felt like I hadn't even seen the movie. It felt like this was the first time I had been able to experience this thing, just right off the jump. You have a movie that came out in October. I'm watching it in December like it's opening damn weekend. This place was sold out, packed to the brim. Everybody was there excited to catch this movie. Mostly everybody had already seen it once, but had they seen it this way? Right. I'm telling you right now, uh, Denny shot it a certain way for a certain reason. And I had caught this multiple times in the IMAXs that I have here. A lot of people refer to those as Limaxs because it's not giving you the whole, the whole shot. You can just go on Google, go on uh, Twitter. You'll see the comparisons between what you're missing uh when you're not seeing it in its full scope and it man, it's night and day, man. There are uh not just moments when it comes to actually seeing like the ships come down or you're entering the world and you're able to see the whole scope of it, but it's uh, certain sequences where you're just seeing Timmy or you're seeing Zendaya and you actually get the full frame of their profile. Uh I You absolutely really
0: get lost in those blue eyes. It, it was
1: oh man it was fantastic I, I literally cannot stress enough shout out the bullock theater they were uh, first of all it's uh in, in an imax down in austin texas uh that's connected to their what's it called uh their museum beautiful mm-hmm. museum going through the history of texas uh, and specifically in austin but shout out the staff there when i went there <laughs> i was like Hi, i'm here to to you know i want to make sure i print these tickets out and i gave them the area code they're like that's chicago and i was like yeah what are you all down here for i said uh the movie and barbecue, but they were so nice down there. They made sure that I was able to get the uh, earlier showing. They made sure that it was printed out. Uh, just a dope staff down there. Uh, dope theater. If you live in Austin, Texas, take pride in that theater, man. It is It is a big theater. Uh, they're showing movies the way that they should be shown. and uh, I'm glad I was able to see it because I know that they were able to extend this. Um, if it is still playing near you, I highly recommend, even if you've caught the movie, go check it out in IMAX because it is a completely different experience. I've already bought that 4K Blu-ray steelbook that is, uh, I think being released in January 11th. Uh, if I could watch it again, Zach, I'd watch it again right now in IMAX. It was fantastic. So, um... Yeah, that is my review for the Dune IMAX. It is everything I wanted it to be and more. Do yourself a favor, go look at the comparisons, because hopefully uh, they do a home release in some way. I know that the aspect ratios are, are going to be different when you're on your home television set, but nonetheless, yeah. I, I still think it's cool the to see how you frames
0: specific shots. Sandworm might not be quite as big on your home no, theater. Brother,
1: sandworm, sandworm was unbelievable this time around. It was already big. I don't even know how it could get bigger. Leave it to Texas. Uh, <laughs> just absolute fantastic... Uh, uh, trip and yeah love dune love dune
0: awesome there was
1: another one though that i got to check down there as we're talking about some mckay stuff uh yeah leave it to him producing on succession because when it comes to this new directorial Eff- outing that he had i feel like zach and i may be able little split on it
0: Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Don't Look Up, the latest film from Adam McKay, of course the director of many acclaimed comedies such as Anchorman and Step Brothers, who has since moved on into some, let's call it more serious fare, although everything he's made since then is still a comedy, but definitely a comedy with more of a a political edge, more of a serious nature in terms of the subject matter that it wants to cover, whether it's uh, his most lauded film in The Big Short, which I thought was excellent. Uh, his not-as-lauded follow-up to that vice about uh, Vice President Dick Cheney, which has its defenders, including you and I, but is is not as highly regarded, for sure. Uh, and the latest being Don't Look Up, a, f- a film about a pair of astronomers who discover a comet that or a meteor that's going to strike Earth in six months, basically an extinction-level event, and they try to basically tell the world and get them to believe that this is as big of a threat as it actually is um, obviously there are uh, elements of real uh, elements of the real world that are seeping into this fictional setup here. Uh, a lot of it mm-hmm. is clearly inspired. Uh, by mckay's thoughts on the government and the government's role in fixing uh, public health issues and you know even though this is a script that he had written prior to uh, covid outbreaks in 2020 uh, it definitely feels like something that is influenced by covid for in one way or another i was able to kind of separate the real world commentary from the the story in the film because i kind of just Found a lot of that commentary to be wrote and and not really uh, that that worth analysis. You know, it's very surface level uh, analysis. It's very surface level thoughts on the state of um, you know political activism amongst uh, politicians and the role that the media plays in terms of like. Uh, Giving you the information that's actually vital. What I ultimately kept connected to in terms of "don't look up" was the emotions of it. I felt like it got the the feeling of exasperation that I and a lot of people who I talk to feel uh, looking at the pol- current political spectrum. Right, the the feeling of um, of attempting and of of wishing for things to be better, but ultimately feeling. Your, your powerlessness uh, in the hands of people with much more power than you. So, it, you know, while I wasn't as on board for maybe the first half of this movie, as they kind of become more and more resigned to what's going on here, it just struck a little bit more of a chord with me. So even though I don't necessarily think this is like the sharpest satire of the year or anything like that, I thought it was kind of funny. I thought, you know, the the humor, the further it was away from being on uh, current events, the funnier I found it. I just ultimately dug a lot of this movie. I dug the performances. I think you have a lot of very charismatic people here, and it was enough to make Breakout. me recommend this one. You were not as wild on this one from Adam McKay.
1: I agree with you. It's a fantastic cast. Uh, and they're funny. There's a lot of funny moments because I think it's a actually pretty decent script. I don't mind the script. I think it's getting into, you know, uh, aspects of how we deal with certain crises in this world. I thought the directing was so awful. I thought the editing was atrocious. I don't know how many times you can freeze frame a character and just have it hold there for a second. How many times can you have a joke be cutting somebody off Zach I was kind of I was about a damn near a dozen when I went I was like this is this is just going to be the bit every joke's just going to be any of those are terrible I just hate how they're used this is definitely a movie that feels like they 100% believe the previous administration was still going to be involved we have seen several of these movies there were several at Sundance where they're releasing these movies going knowing good and
0: I wonder that I wonder how differently it feels because it, it like maybe I even like it you know more I mean? because we're not currently under the Trump administration and it, it maybe feels a little bit less relevant <laughs> or a little bit less topical. And that maybe made me gave me enough that I can remove it. From that commentary, like there's this one speech that Leo gives, and it's like a it's like a great Leo exasperated yes. Leo moment. But it is like so much, just like it kind of erases the wall between what is real and what is fiction. And it's clearly kind of just like, hey, hey Leo, go mm-hmm. off a minute about how you feel about the world. Uh, and it's it's moments yeah. like that that I just kind of like the commentary of it just doesn't really work. It's just so on the nose, so tired. I. I guess i just kind of ignored that aspect of the movie and uh, focused on on these performers because like there are a bunch of things happening here that i found really charming like there's a there's a running bit involving jennifer lawrence and uh these snacks that i found funny every time it came up uh the little rivalry she had with her and jonah hill very funny they both play it very well it's things like that that i think carried me through the film for
1: sure i just uh, as, as defenders of Vice, as people who like that movie, and a lot of people dismiss this one as being one that's dumbing it down so much for the audience, I, I finally see the criticisms here. This is that <laughs> movie where I could see the faults in Adam McKay. This man has been doing press for this thing, slouching more than a lazy boy chair a in everything that he A lot of people
0: are calling the movie smug, and his press, his press tour right now is not doing anything to help Definitely that Definitely
1: flushing that. But hey, you know, this comes out wide on Netflix, closer to Christmas, if I'm not mistaken. I'm willing to give it a rewatch from the comfort of my own home. There were aspects that I liked to it, but Damn, dude, it just gets really dumb sometimes. Again, it's a good script but when it realizes like someone may become a meme, it chooses the most blandest way to make that a joke that challenges what happened in real life in the dumbest way possible. I don't know. Did you see the after credits, by the way? Definitely yeah. stick for the after credits.
0: I, I stuck through uh... um, <laughs> 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 It
1: maybe was the, the dumbest after credits i ever The people cleaning up the Alamo Draft House Theater that I was in, where you went Okay <laughs> But, hey, you know, the commentary is very on the nose. I think uh, everybody knows exactly what it's about. Everyone who's doing the press story is telling you exactly uh, what they feel about it um, politically and otherwise. But I will say that when I went to go see this movie, there was a whole group of girls behind me coughing the entire movie. They coughed more than there was free streams in this movie. So (laughs) I'll just... I, I was living in another world while yeah. watching this. I felt the anxiety more than uh, Leo did up on screen. I hear
0: screen. that. I hear that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I enjoyed this one. Uh, I don't know if the fact that I saw it in a room full of SAG actors, who were all laughing their heads off and excited because we had a Q and A with Leonardo DiCaprio uh, and Meryl Streep and Joda Hill afterwards, where just like everybody was hyped, but I enjoyed myself. I don't know. I think there's some things to take away from this. Um, hey, he, he got to fix his stuff with Will
1: Ferrell, I'll say that much.
0: Yeah, man, so I, I, that I don't dirty know. Out there, Adam. yeah it, It's not helping anything to just, like, bl- nope. be so publicly blaming him. Oh nope. Did you see the trailer for uh, his new HBO show, Showtime, or they, they changed the it to Winning thing? Time? yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, I have not seen the trailer for it, but I am extremely excited about it. For those who don't know, uh, supposedly Adam Kay and Will Ferrell are going through some beef. These two are partners; they have their production company together. They are both producers on Succession and a bunch of other stuff. And yeah, they're going through some beef because uh, Will Ferrell, obviously big fan of the Lakers, really wanted to have a part in here, and I guess Adam made a decision to not let it, not let him be in it to some degree. And uh, they've had a fall since. And,
0: Yeah, uh, it's just kind of funny because the trailer, uh, which features John C. Riley, John C. Riley is kind of doing like a Will Ferrell style yeah. performance here. So uh, I wonder I why it. they decided to go against Will Ferrell in this role. Um, yeah, Makes a little, little weird, sense. a little sad that that friendship is uh, going through whatever it's going through. But you know, it's, it's such is life. I guess we can't we can't invest that much in the uh, friendship. Zach, exactly. when you don't make it to my
1: Bulls biopic. I'll let you know, okay? It won't be this back and forth.
0: I mean, I told you I wanted to be cast as Tony Kukoc, and, and we, this has been clear from the start.
1: <laughs> there'll, there'll be no no Kanye Drake thing. We'll <laughs> we'll go straight to the Hoover uh, Amazon special, right right from the jump. Yeah, uh, you got to see an anniversary.
0: I did uh, showing. I did. I was really excited to attend the tenth anniversary screening at the Metrograph of the of Martha Marcy. May Marlene, the directorial debut of Sean Durkin. Sean Durkin was there. Elizabeth Olsen, who stars in the movie, is there. Antonio Campos, oh, who nice. uh, produced the film, was there. And as well as the DP, Jody Lee. Um, and <laughs> moderating the Q&A was uh, the boy, Alex Ross Perry, who I didn't realize was NYU classmates with Sean Durkin. They were talking about makes how uh, it, Sean was the first guy he knew who was in, into the films of Michael Haneke, which makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, so yeah, it, it was cool to see, you know, like, old friends catching up and just reminiscing about this movie that was so important to all of them. It, for those who don't know, this was actually the first movie that Elizabeth Olsen was, like, starring in, and in terms of a lead role, and, um, one that I think was still one of the best things she's ever done, uh, It's got a reputation as being one of the great movie endings, and, you know, that definitely held up for me, although it's interesting to me how much a story can kind of change its shape when you revisit it after some time, right? Because I I went into that movie 10 years ago, and I saw that ending, and I was like, wow, that's an amazing, ambiguous ending. I have no idea what's going to happen to her next, and... I watched it this time, and I was like, "Oh no, I know exactly what is going to happen to her next." Um, don't want to spoil. Don't want to spoil too much, obviously, because I know not everybody's caught up with this movie. But it is one of my favorite psychological horrors. It's about this woman uh, who has just escaped a cult, and it, it sort of uh, goes through her her emotional uh, her emotional processing of that. And what's really cool about the movie is it sort of floats in and out of time, going back and forward through uh, time in a way that's kind of like her emotional uh, processing of it, not a linear chronological uh, telling of the story. Really expertly done. I, I, I love this movie a lot. I hope more people get to catch up with it. Uh, let me know if you if you do catch up with this one, because it is definitely one of my favorite psychological hor- horrors of the past decade. Um, Art, I don't think you've seen this one, right? Nice. Uh,
1: I caught it a long time ago. It was probably even, like, a bootleg, because I remember this was, I believe it came out of Sundance. Yes. Uh, I see that it's not even streaming anywhere, so it's like, if I wanted to revisit it right now, I would not be able to catch it. But I would recommend The Nest, which is on Showtime, and that was one of my favorites of last year. Another great performance that he was able to, uh, direct in Carrie Coon. I highly recommend that one. That one is playing on Showtime, so...
0: Uh, do yourself a little double feature they mentioned that The Nest was actually going to be playing at the Metrograph and Elizabeth Olsen was like oh you have to watch Carrie Coon in that movie so when when you get other actresses saying that kind of thing about your performance shout you out yeah uh, highly recommend The Nest highly recommend Martha Marcy May Marlene nice um, that's most of what we've been watching I, I did uh, get to the end of the Beatles Get Back uh, series I don't know if you you've okay. watched any more of that one I, just some thoughts Not now yet. that I've finished it. What One thing that I think is really cool about getting the chance to hang out with them for like the, that eight-hour time span is I think it does this really interesting thing where you you get to both see them kind of as gods and as men, right? Like, they have these moments of of incredible craftsmanship and incredible songwriting capabilities. They, they are just so preternaturally talented to doing this pop writing thing in a way that the ordinary human isn't but then like you're just hanging out with them and george is talking about what he saw on the bbc last night and how he didn't really like that tv show that much and it just it's this really cool thing of like these people who've been revered for the amazing contributions they've made to culture uh getting to see them just kind of hang out is a really disarming and interesting thing that's cool that I've really appreciated about uh, spending some time with the Beatles documentary. The real revelation for me is how much they like each other. You know, like John just keeps doing these like annoying bits and I expect somebody to roll their eyes. And then just Paul is just smiling at him, joining in on the bit. It's, it's really fun, man. They, they seem like, they seem like a pretty good hang, even if uh, Peter Sellers didn't want to spend too much time with them. Uh, but yeah, that's I think what we've been watching. Let us know what you are watching down in the comments below or in the uh, in the live chat if you're lucky enough to catch us while we're here live here on the channel. Really appreciate all of that. Uh, I've seen a couple comments in the live chat about 2022 Sundance. Yes, we are extremely excited for 2022's lineup. In fact, we are going to be back on InterCut. Tomorrow, December 14th at, I think we said 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Double check the channel for that. And breaking down the lineup, giving you guys some advice on what movies to watch. So come hang out with us tomorrow and we will get into the Sundance lineup because there is a lot to discuss there. Uh, but in a little bit, we will talk about Kendall, about Shiv, about Logan's power moves. But first, make sure you're subscribed to the Intercut podcast, either the video podcast on youtube.com slash pod or the audio podcast available on most podcatchers. Also, follow Intercut on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are at Intercut Pod. That's Intercut P-O-D. That's short for podcast. Wow. We are also Intercut Pod on Patreon, where you can support the show for as little as $1 per month. And be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts when you do. It makes me happier than Logan when he gets to negotiate the fate of his company. It's the only thing that isn't boring, right? See, yeah, it's the most exciting element. All right. Uh, before we get into our topic of the week, Succession, uh, we got a couple other segments to hit here. Let's start it out with the yay or nays, where we give our thumbs up or thumbs down on the latest happenings around the entertainment industry. And we are deep, not maybe not deep, but we are, uh, we've are we dipped a few toes. Maybe we're getting about knee-deep into award season here. You know, we're, we're testing in. out the waters. We're, we're feeling, we're getting warm. We're getting comfortable. Uh, there are a bunch of critics groups that have started handing out their awards, stuff like the Gothams, which always have uh, interesting selections that are maybe a little bit... India, uh, the New York Film Critics Circle recently picked Drive My Car as their best film, which I thought we uh, we both found a really interesting decision, and hopefully that means more people are going to go check out Drive My Car. It's a great film. Uh, this morning, the Golden Globes, the the canceled but but still trying to hold on to relevancy, Golden Globes released their set of nominees, uh, a, an interesting collection of potential Oscar. Uh, future Oscar nominees. Let's get into some of the films they nominated here, because I know you had a chance to really uh, look into what they chose, break it down a little bit. Yep. I actually haven't taken quite as close a look of you, so so explain to me here. So
1: You're going to get a, a raw reaction. So right off the bat, some of the notes is the most nominations ended up going to Belfast and Power of the Dog, uh, with seven apiece. Big fan of Power of the Dog. Okay, Belfast, I, I guess. Uh, Netflix really did come in with the most just overall from any studio with 17 nominations, but uh, right there, as, as you know, they like to split it between drama and uh comedy and then just go from there they even dip a little bit into the their toes into tv uh but in in terms of drama i am really reaching for the fact that power of the dog uh should take that one but then you also have coda continuing to make a splash because i think a lot of people are assuming that belfast is just going to continue making it in there Mm -hmm. but coda the sundance flick from apple where they paid 25 mil people are wondering why did apple pay 25 mil think y'all got your answer it's a big contender now in the awards season and you're seeing that money come back into play uh i know you were pulling up right there the musicals um the way that they split it this you know they were jam-packed with a bunch of different ones that they were able to pick interestingly enough as i pull it up over here Cyrano, which hasn't been released i think to a majority of the public or i don't even know anyone who's (laughs) seen Cyrano, but i'm excited for it Yeah. yeah don't look up we just discussed, Licorice Pizza, Tick, Tick, Boom, and West Side Story. This setup right here kind of started making me think that West Side Story and the almost unanimous praise it has been getting from critics groups and even, like, what I would consider high-profile Academy members. Are we going to see West Side Story win Best Picture
0: at the Oscars? It's certainly possible. I mean, it's kind of gotten the kind of, like, glowing praise that – I think a movie needs to be a real contender in terms of the Best Picture winners. Uh, And it is, like, it's a movie that I don't think is very niche, you know? I think it is kind of like a broadly lovable movie that doesn't have any big, you know. Right right now, there's not really, like, a big contingent against it. We'll see how it plays out. But, yeah, I think West Side Story has got a lot of momentum as we get closer and closer to the Best Picture race.
1: Mm -hmm. So far to me, it's going to be between that and Power the Dog, I feel, with definitely a lot of the other ones getting their nominations. Um, The Best Actress one continues to boil down between Jessica Chastain, Kristen Stewart, Lady Gaga. But it's going to be interesting to see who are they going to add. Is it going to remain with Olivia Coleman and Nicole Kidman or are they going to bring one of the ones from the comedy aspect because Alana Haim. Did scoop up one, uh, for right. Best actress, yeah.
0: This is one of the things that makes the Golden Globes a little bit challenging is that they divide their best actress and best actor categories into drama and comedy as well. So, I did kind of look at this lineup of five women Chastain, Coleman, Kidman, uh, Gaga, and it's Stewart. solid. I it did look a little bit to like I've been looking at the lineups and being like, ah, are they gonna really get nominated? That I could see as the five nominees for Oscars like I'd really love to see Alana Heim get in there but Mm -hmm. this looks like a looks like a a category like a set category right now if you ask me right they also had Rachel Zegler for West Side Story which I know is
1: probably going to be a big one that they've been pushing in order to really have her get that uh, whole rookie of the year award uh, type you know rollout that they've been having interestingly enough you know Jennifer Lawrence got a nom Marianne Cotillard for Annette Emma Stone for Cruella man Cruella sneaking down in there with a nomination, so I guess good for them. I, I'm very usually, curious for this
0: one. The, that Go is on. kind of a Golden Globesy thing to do, though, is it to is. have somebody in there from a movie that really has no shot at the Oscars, but it's a big celebrity. Uh, I don't mind the Emma Stone perfor- performance getting nominated here so much just because it is the musical comedy category. But yeah, I, I, I feel like uh, she's not she's not really going to threaten for an Oscar. But, but that's the thing. I like how the Globes is able to
1: give you 10, right? Because they're dividing yeah. it into the separate categories. Same. I think that's really cool. But I hate the buffoonery that they play sometimes. I always go back to the Martian being a comedy. But uh, looking at the actor side of it, uh, for the male performances, in drama, they had Mahershala Lee, Swan Song, Javier for the Ricardos, Benedict for Power of the Dog, Will Smith for King Richard, and Denzel Washington, Tragedy of Macbeth. I am keeping Benedict, Denzel, and Will because then you have to go down to the comedy ones and look to me it's andrew to me it's andrew i i i can't see it being anybody else uh obviously we haven't seen peter dinklage and sereno uh leo looked like he was constipated the entire time for don't look up and that's pretty much his whole performance there but he cooper snatched up it's leo uh, for sure but we're, we're talking about like Who's going to get a nomination in terms of the top five? The idea of it's an honor to just be nominated. Andrew's definitely going to take it away from one of the drama actors that you just saw in that category. Would any of these other actors snatch it up?
0: I mean, I've heard a lot of good things about the Dinklage performance in Cyrano. And I'm, I don't want to rule it out because he's an actor that I think a lot of people really like. Uh, getting an opportunity here in a leading actor performance, which... I don't think he's had a lot of opportunities like this before. I would not be surprised if Dinklage breaks in there. He might have to take it away from Denzel. I don't... Yeah, it's, it's getting... You know what I mean? It's getting tough. It's, get, it's it getting is tight. Certain, um, I did want to point out, because we, did, we didn't mention this when we talked about picture, uh, Anthony Ramos got in here for Best Action, Musical, or Comedy. This might be as far as In the Heights goes in terms of the awards race, though, because if it didn't crack the Best Picture, Musical, or Comedy lineup at the Globes... I think it's going to be a little bit hard uh, for the Oscars, especially considering how packed this year has become with musicals or comedies. Uh, West Side Story coming in and being such a sensation, Tick Tick Boom coming in and being, I think, better than a lot of people expected, and Cyrano still around the corner. Mm-hmm. It's it's getting tight for like, you know, you're relying on people who might not even be fans of musicals to be getting uh, giving in the heights some votes then.
1: Yeah, but Ramos is out, bro. Yeah. word on the street is he cheated on Peggy. He canceled, bro. He gotta, yes. I'm not rooting for him. Uh, in terms of the other ones, you have stuff like Best Animated, which they had Encanto, Flea, Luca, My Sunny Mod, or Mad, which I have not heard of that one right there. Uh, and then Raya in The Last Dragon. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, because, again, that is a whopping three for <sighs> Disney... And sadly, that means that there is no nomination for what I consider one of the best of the year, which was Sony and Netflix's Mitchells and the Machines. So, yeah, courtesyfully in there, but no Mitchells is kind
0: of, I don't know, man. What is it with these, uh, uh what's their names, uh, *Lord* and Miller produced animated movies, just getting blanked by the awards it's because they're
1: dope and they don't mess with the studio <laughs> systems and they're out there doing their thing and that gets people to hate them i don't know what else to tell you yeah. interestingly enough if you go down to the best motion picture non-english language
0: yeah this was definitely that's a, talking to you, point Zach, for a lot of people
1: that was formerly foreign language oh okay
0: excuse so, me excuse me
1: <laughs> so uh i believe you think who that's at the hospital uh, you like to think the, the yeah, see, at the Oscars, you think the Academy, and now at the Golden Globes, you're going to think the Hollywood non-English press. <laughs> 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 Nothing is funnier than to see a whole organization have to rebuttal everything that they've done. Literally, when they listed the announcements, they they, they started off with an oh, sorry and the whole link about all the changes that they've made, and um, mm. yeah, they've changed the name of the category as well. And if you know, it's the Hollywood Foreign Press, so it's always been a part of their name. I guess they're changing their, their own uh, the label that they go by. Right. But uh, an interesting list, and it just shows me how tight the um, – I'm just going to call it international because it's not like – the word's right there, right? Uh, the the best international. Surprisingly, uh, compartment number six. I have not seen this movie, but I've been hearing a lot of great things. That yeah. one was able to sneak in there.
0: Our friend Mariana, uh, I think, elected a lot out of Toronto. You're saying good –
1: Things so yeah. that's one that's definitely on my radar. Bit look, I would have all of these right here. Drive my car, Hand of God, which is about to come to Netflix. A Hero by Asghar Far- Farhadi, yeah. Parallel Mothers. But the fact, Zach, talk about all the ones that are missing. Worst well, person,
0: mean, the the worst person in the world, obviously is the one that uh I think a lot of people are really upset about. Another one that people are upset about is Titan not in. Yes, there. the Khan's winner. Look, at this point,
1: the Oscars or any organization who's running these awards needs to realize that they need to expand. They need to have the international category, foreign category, non-English, whatever you want to call it. It needs to be 10. If you're able to expand your best picture, you know, if the Globes are able to do it in two segments, the Oscars, I believe you said, are finally going to settle with a full 10, then international should have that as well.
0: Yeah, at this point, it's silly that we have 10 best picture nominees that are in English and only 5 that are not in English, particularly given like how much more accessible foreign films are now uh, than they were, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Uh, And it's just Mm -hmm. like such a stacked year, too, in terms of these films uh, that like, you know, we looked at the nominees last year and there were definitely a couple. uh, What was that one from Tunisia? The man who had scars on his back or something uh, Mm. that, that people were a little surprised actually got that far. In terms of these five that uh, the Globes did choose, I mean, I've heard great things about all these movies, so I don't really know. Like, No, it's a solid list. Which one do you take out to put Titan in? Which one do you take out to put the worst person in the world in? I mean, though I probably exactly. would. You don't. But... You just add more. Yeah.
1: <sighs> hey, at least they're not going through the goofiness that they did the prior years with Minari and The Farewell, where they didn't even want to count those as a best picture type thing, and they wanted to stuff them in this category. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're far behind. They're barely focusing on that uh in terms of the supporting stuff some interesting things to see here when you get into the supporting actress to me it's ariana the boss like everybody else thank you for showing up but it's ariana the boss i don't know what else to tell you i don't know if you have another one or someone who you would add especially when it comes to uh what may make it for the rest of the the road in terms of awards because again for supporting they actually do combine uh, both drama right. and comedy. So this would be more of a tight list when it comes to the five.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not sure off the top of my head if there's anybody um, big that I'm, like, upset about not making it here. Um, you know, I, I I did really like Angelina Ellis in um, uh, King Richard, but, you know... King Richard? You know, I'm happy to see her nominated. I would still go with Ariana DeBose here. Um, Easily. Ruth Nega, I'm also very glad because that was the only nomination She's that Passing fantastic. got. And I'm glad that um, Passing isn't going to be completely overlooked. The the main thing that I would say is, like, uh, none of the actors from Mass, I think, made it in any of these categories in the Globes. And that is the, the best acted film award. of the year. It's weird because the
1: entire awards run out, you were mentioning some of the previous ones, there were circles that were nominating different actors individually yeah, uh, for other movies. But Mass would always get the ensemble. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, maybe it's indicative of uh, how the movie is portrayed because it really is an ensemble piece, but they had no problem giving it the ensemble. uh, But never getting a, you know, I was really rooting for Martha for that one because I thought she did a fantastic job Mm -hmm. and she should definitely have a nomination here. Uh, In terms of best supporting for a male actor, bro, someone said Ben Affleck this morning and I said, I swear if I see the words The Last Duel. Then I saw The Tender Bar and then I wish I saw the words The Last Duel. (laughs)
0: I oh uh, I mean I would have been happy if I it was that, that the, last duel performance to tell you the truth, but you might as well. <sighs> tender bar. I guess I gotta I, go I, see I the tender bar now. I guess
1: you you'll see it in the comfort of your own home when it comes to prime. Yeah. Uh the Belfast nominations are a little eh to me personally. Yeah. Uh, I know people really really liked for Coda, but uh Cody Smith McVie is here. Everybody else go go take a seat. It's it's Cody's man. I don't
0: even know. Yeah. Cody all I'm happy to see Troy Kotzer in here. Um you know, he, it was definitely Ooh. a good performance. I don't know if it's one of my love in, I, in these categories. I mean, two supporting actor nominations. Was Jamie, yeah, Did Jamie Jordan really have that much to do? I know he sang a song, but, like, come he on. He
1: wasn't even there for his kid, bro. <laughs> That's I, for another thing. I, I would mean, have liked to have to seen
0: uh, Bradley Cooper for Licorice Pizza in here. But,
1: oh, Daniel, or, you really like this performance, huh? I've been really seeing fun. a lot of people really hype up his bit. I don't. I felt like it wasn't long enough, but okay. It,
0: that's the only thing. It's definitely a small performance. It might be too small, but at the same time, it's kind of like, well, well, what are what else are we supposed to do with that performance? You know, like it's not really a cameo. It's
1: not. It's a, it's like a, he's there for a whole set piece. Yeah. We're talking about uh, performances like that that are supporting that could be even uh, condensed in time. Then uh, the actress from uh tragedy of macbeth that was one that you and i were discussing that i believe you said new york yeah gave her the uh the win uh in terms of supporting oh catherine hunter rather yeah that i I would love to see If if we're doing stuff like that i would love to see someone like that get a nomination as opposed to you know the dudes from belfast but even looking at best director man kenneth even snatched up a best directing nom So you can turn in a home video of your childhood and I guess snatch one up there. But, hey, the rest are pretty solid. Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog. I'm Mm -hmm. actually... That's the one I'm rooting for. It's pretty stacked, dude. We haven't seen The Lost Daughter yet, but I've heard great things from Maggie. Mm -hmm. You and I both think Steven Spielberg did his thing. And obviously, I mean, I traveled to go see Denny's full scope. This is a really good list of directors. Mm -hmm. Who would you keep? Who would you take out when it comes down to the final five?
0: Uh, I mean... It's tough because, like you said, it is a good list. Um, I personally would put uh, Paul Thomas Anderson in there, but you know, like, I'm a big Paul Thomas Anderson guy. I, I definitely have some bias. Um, like, I would I would like to see Paul Thomas Anderson in there instead of Kenneth Branagh. Um, other than that, I don't know, man. I mean, I still need to see The Lost Daughter. Um, I, I feel like... I, you know, I'd love to see Joachim Trier for Worst Person in the World, but it feels like that's definitely not going to happen. We'll see. I'm,
1: I'm rooting for... Gooch, <laughs> stop. I'm rooting for Jane Campion all the way. Obviously, I wouldn't mind yeah. Spielberg taking it. I definitely Spielberg. wouldn't mind Danny taking it, but I think Jane Campion uh, would be dope to for see sure. take it. Um, and then just wrapping it up on some of the stuff, screenplay, I actually think Licorice is the strongest of the bunch keeping it a buck
0: there yeah some people uh, were, comes were to the criticizing this category um because that they it's not the strongest yeah i would i would agree there i don't know if it's like the most inspiring choices but yeah. yeah i don't know i would we'll go see. with licorice as well uh,
1: right in terms of best original score alexander for the french dispatch Encanto, Power the Dog, Parallel Mothers, and Dune get a nomination. I'm really hoping that just Johnny Greenwood gets – Johnny Greenwood beats Johnny Greenwood. I want to see him get one for Spencer and Power the Dog and then him lose to himself. That would be really dope to see. Mm -hmm. Uh, One that I think is going to be really interesting, dude, best original song. Mm -hmm. Because obviously you have Beyonce in there for King Richard. Then you have Lee Manuel for Encanto. I don't really care about the Belfast one. Yeah. Shout out Jennifer Hudson for respect. But I think it's really going to come down to, is Lee Manuel finally going to get his Iga? Because mm. I truly think Dos Uruguitas is the best one of this category, and I, and I hope it makes it all the way. But Billie Eilish has no time to die. Yeah. And I think the Billie train, as well as the fact that this, uh, this, this whole franchise for 007 for this run, has one for Skyfall. They got one for Writings on the Wall in the previous one. I don't see why they probably mm. the best original movie song of the year for Encanto, the way it's used. And that scene is out. You can even go see it on your own. Disney released it because they're really pushing this song to win. When you release the biggest spoiler of your movie, that's when you know you're, you're going all out. Um, I'm going to be ve- very curious to see how that gets played out, not just in the Golden Globes, but throughout all the run up to the Oscars.
0: Um, we'll see. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of interesting um, things. A lot of things becoming interestingly clear in terms of uh, where they will go in terms of the Oscar race, with some films mm-hmm. being left out and some films coming up again and again. I mean, I think at this point, Drive My Car, which I thought... Maybe would be a little bit too, um, a little bit too quiet to end up in the Oscar race. Now I think (laughs) it's like firmly in there. I would be surprised at this point if Drive My Car didn't get a best uh, international film nomination at the Oscars.
1: It should. I'm kind of worried with it because now, well, yeah, no, I I see it snatching it. I'd be surprised if it can go all the way and even uh, snag a uh, just best picture overall.
0: Yeah, Ricky. But that's all the movie stuff. I don't know. Yeah, Ricky in the live chat to to mentioned uh, that he thinks "Encanto" or "No Time to Die" will win between those two songs. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, if you want to get into TV, let me know what, what was the what was the standouts for TV for you?
1: Uh, Squid Game coming in. Looking to beat succession which i think would be bonkers but squid game has been picking up a lot of independent awards as well i think it picked one up for the gotham mm-hmm. so i mean sheesh so it, it's got it got it's potential right there.
0: i don't know if i i sure. agree but uh cool good for squid game
1: it was even able to get some nominations in terms of at the squid game cast going up against jeremy strong and Brian Cox i we were discussing this as we're about to lead into our succession talk that when it came to supporting i did think it was kind of weird to see Kieran get a nomination but not literally the best actor of this season because this should be for season three in uh the actor who plays tom i mean
0: yeah I don't Matthew McFadyen. i don't know that's, i don't know, that's how, just, you I don't don't know how you ignore it. that performance i don't know how you ignore
1: that uh, it's going to be interesting to see Ted Lasso season two because obviously they gave it to one the previous one mm-hmm. go up against season one of Hacks and Only Murders in the Building. I think there was a pretty stacked uh, television
0: yep.
1: uh, for musical and comedy. I know some people were talking about the great season two. We do need to catch yeah. up on that one. But we were big fans of the first to the point that I would say when I was looking at the supporting – sheesh Nicholas Holt man I was looking at at who the best ones I know you like Steve Martin and Martin Short for only murders in the building but I'd say Nicholas Holt is even better than Jason Sudeikis Nicholas Holt uh, I think is giving
0: like one of the great comedic performances on TV right now I think it's so delightful to watch him on the great Easily, yeah um, he's really really good there
1: the Gene uh, Smart for Hex, she's got to put that out there. I, I hope she takes the globe as well. But when you get into a limited series, Dope Sick was able to come in and snatch one yeah. up in terms of nomination. You had Impeachment, Made, which people loved on Netflix. Uh, but the top two has to be Mayor of Easttown and Underground Railroad. I personally think Underground mops yeah. the rest of these, but I can I can see Mayor definitely snatching up that the performance. The only
0: reason that Underground wouldn't sweep the floor is that it's kind of just been going under the radar, like Amazon... <laughs> doesn't feel like they're really pushing it it hasn't been getting like it, it should be getting nominations be getting up and down the board and it's only and gotten the, a couple so like that makes me feel like people uh, not enough people are watching it
1: it's like the bare minimum nomination because yeah. if you're actually nominating this for the best show then how can you ignore the act they're not giving it to the acting yeah uh, elizabeth Olson, your girl glad you saw the anniversary they love in her for WandaVision. Yet again, another yep. nomination. She'll be going up against uh, Kate Winslet for Easttown, Jessica Chastain for Scenes from a Marriage. I don't know why it barely dawned on me uh, as I saw Oscar Isaac also get one from Scenes from a Marriage. Um, they were together in probably one of the best movies that both of them have ever been in. In yeah. A Most Violent Year. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I never thought of that while I was watching Scenes from Marriage, but uh, I am rooting for the both of them, especially Oscar Isaac when it comes to his category, where he's up against Michael Keaton and Dope Sick, Uwin for Halston, who just snatched the Emmy, and uh, Tah- Tahar Rahim for The Serpent, who, uh, if you haven't seen... Um, I don't know I'm his name when he goes to there's a movie where he goes to prison and he becomes like a whole kingpin. Definitely go yeah, check that one. The Mauritanian or something like that? Nah, 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 nah. That's oh, when wait. he's a prisoner. No I'm talking about when he like actually flips it and becomes like a whole kingpin. Oh really? I'll, someone remembers, yeah, that, that is one of the dope movies. He's a really yeah. good actor, so it's cool to see him get something for for that role right there. Um Sarah Snook got one for Succession. A little nomination there. Yeah. Karen Culkin, like I said, got one was able to snatch one up right there so we'll just we'll see how it comes down to squid game in succession i think it's gonna be really interesting because again netflix led with the most in terms of a film production company but in terms of uh, tv hbo technically was up on top mm-hmm. with i believe uh, 15 or 17 so
0: it is interesting <laughs> though <laughs> in addition to squid game Lupin getting into drama and uh here uh, i'm showing on the screen now Lee jung Jae and omar sai both getting into best actor so a little bit more recognition for some international tv than i think we're used to seeing in the globe nominees and yeah i mean look i mean that that's one of the things now with all these streaming services that international tv is that much more accessible so um, i'm excited for that hopefully they continue to go in that direction
1: mm-hmm. so we'll
0: see Could be a very exciting couple of months very exciting indeed um so that's about all that we're going to talk about with the globe's mashup excuse me um uh nominees Although I did see Julietta mentioning that the morning show nomination is atrocious, that is crazy. I mean, look, the Globes are talking about uh, turning over a new leaf and, and becoming, you know, different, but like they're not they gonna can't get bridge. rid of that that star fucker identity too quickly. They they love nominating their big celebrities, and the morning show is full of them. So that, they that...
1: nominated that bad boy when it only had three episodes out, man. Yeah, they know what they're doing.
0: Yeah, yeah um stuff coming to discovery plus another lula Ro documentary in addition to one that's on amazon whole bunch of stuff coming to vod uh the hand of god which we just covered as one of the nominees at the golden globes for best non-english film that one is going to be available on netflix very soon so i'm excited to catch up with that one um not but I did actually want to mention a Niger Christmas because I don't know if you heard about this one I think this is a no. Nigerian Christmas movie uh, that is gonna be on Netflix but it's a, a Netflix original and it's part of Netflix is putting out like something like 23 Christmas movies something like that uh, and many just of them are dumb. are international which just goes to show like their con- continued path towards you know, Streaming world domination, cashing on the holidays, get it, get every different language and region involved, and and they're know.
1: making a universe too. They like combining all their stuff. to do doing a Pixar theory.
0: Yeah, uh, Cyrano, which we were just talking about, it opens in theaters in LA for just one week. So if you are lucky enough to be in LA in the next week, in, enjoy. Not Peter even Dinklage. New York. Not even New York. They're doing super limited on this one. Uh, so the rest of us will have to wait until January, I believe, to catch Cerno, uh, but those of you lucky enough to be in Los Angeles got that there uh, the new Chloe Grace Moretz movie, Mother Android popping up on Hulu, I think they sent us a screener for that one, I don't know if you checked that one out yet uh, no no, no. Uh, <laughs> nope. Night- Nightmare Alley, I think this is the one that we're maybe most excited about uh, this week, it is the latest from Guillermo del Toro has a great cast featuring Bradley Cooper, Cate Blanchett, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, Richard Jenkins, Rooney Mara, more and more and more and more. Uh, it's probably going to be an Oscar contender. I did get a chance to see it. Uh, I'll admit I'll admit that I was a little underwhelmed with what I saw. Uh, I think it's maybe a little bit overlong. It's got some of the great, great production design you're looking for from a Guillermo movie, but mm-hmm. maybe not as good of a story as uh you'd like to see from something like this or as involving of a story but i know you haven't had a chance to see it yet i think we should dive deeper into it next week so maybe once you get uh get your screening we'll do like an after credits and and really talk about nightmare alley
1: sounds good i've been hearing good things about like you said the production design and the costumes so i'm very excited to see it in the smallest damn theater because spider-man has taken all the big ones
0: uh, that that's a whole other topic that's worth getting into at some point. Uh, Beyond my Nightmare... phone might be bigger than the screen I'm going to watch. It. Beyond Nightmare Alley is another movie that I think we... I would call my first pick for the week. I don't know if you want to go there, too. Uh, but The Novice, which we first checked out back when it was at the Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, this is Lauren... Mm-hmm. I think it's Lauren Treadaway's directorial debut. Uh... Mm-hmm. she was one of the sound uh, operators on Whiplash and I kind of feel like yes, this sir. movie has some weird connections with Whiplash in sort of it's like pursuit of like perfection of, of striving to achieve the most that your body can handle uh, it's this college freshman who joins her university's rowing team and undertakes this psychologically torturous journey towards being as good as she can at rowing. Uh, I I mentioned back when we caught this at Tribeca, it was pretty funny to watch this with my girlfriend Caitlin, who uh, was on a rowing team herself and was like, critiquing everybody's erg form and uh, their times and everything but it gave me a little bit of insight too which was fun Um, I think it's a really smartly directed story about this, this, uh woman who's kind of like put too much of herself into this idea of what she can be and what uh what that ultimately does to you when you maybe have too much invested in one thing or one idea of who you are i, I like this one a lot uh, it's going to be available on vod ifc films is putting out uh on nice. december 17th so highly highly recommend the novice
1: I would give it a solid recommendation as well and Isabel Furman who plays the lead there uh, great performance by her and she's having a whole just second half of her career. I wouldn't even call it the second half but she started so early in the Orphan so now that she's coming in and I know they're working on Orphan 2 as well she was in the alternate cut for Escape Room as well so she's, like, she's in a bunch of stuff so I'm excited to see what else she has
0: uh, in store for her for sure for sure Oh, uh, somebody brought up a prophet that that was that, that was, was getting he- remade.
1: I am aware, Zach, but no, you can't remake that masterpiece. He killed that performance. That's why. That's why I was so excited to see him get one for the serpent. It could have been a nomination for a commercial. I'm gonna shout the man out whenever he can, and I'm gonna mention a prophet whenever I can. That's <laughs> that's a dope one. Um, I know we have another one from Sundance, uh, a documentary that you and I were just—I'd say the word riveted—because they got on the front lines of the stuff that was happening.
0: Absolutely. in Africa. Absolutely. President, uh, we talked about this one at length in our Sundance videos, so make sure you go back and check that one out. But uh, I believe this one is going to be available in theaters and on VOD. Let me check my list. Yeah, uh, Oh, just theaters. So keep it on, on your radar. Maybe, oh, wow. maybe head out to your movie theater to check out what is easily one of the best documentaries we've seen this year. Uh, looking at a controversial election in Zimbabwe, uh that is full of corruption and rigging and and trying to uh trying to uh you know be the voice of the people and inspire a new generation there's just so many weird parallels to the political situation that we had uh, around the time that we watched this i think i mentioned that in my sundance review yeah because it was january it was insane right uh I, it was just a riveting, riveting piece of documentary filmmaking. It is. I, I would highly recommend people check out this one. So, President, uh, make sure you I keep that one on this. your radar as well. Winner
1: of the Cinema Documentary Special Jury Award for Verite Filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that... We, Zach and I always talk about when they when they hit you with that special jury one, yep. that means that they're making up that category on the spot specifically for it. And Veritate Filmmaking, this was, it, there is some insane sequences in this. Uh, so give this one a watch if you can. Even if you have to wait at home, just have it on your radar. Uh,
0: what else do we have coming out this weekend? Oh, just a, a little film called Spider-Man No Way Home. Are, oh, that's this weekend. Yeah. Are, I think you uh, are seeing that one tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I could get a
1: I, I couldn't get screening, uh, I couldn't get on the press line for Tragedy of Macbeth, but Sony got us, and we're going to be there tomorrow morning, binging all, as soon as we get off this stream, uh, binging the rest of them, we're halfway through the uh, superior ones, which are the Tobey Maguire Mm -hmm. Spider-Man trilogy, we'll be watching the Andrew Garfield ones, and then just prepping and getting ready for... What may be the return of all three? I don't know. I'm starting to actually doubt that they may be in it. It really sounds like it's just going to be the villains. I, I'm not exactly that's, sure. That's good. I'm not get, gonna, yourself,
0: get yourself into a place I'm where gonna, your expectations are low.
1: I have to, yeah. But, uh, yes, I will be watching it tomorrow, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see, Zach. I yeah. don't know, man. I'm uh, excited.
0: Yeah. New York and L.A. is getting The Tender Bar, which is recently Golden Globe nominated. Uh, that is directed by George Clooney. And then there's a couple other things coming to virtual and VOD. The Witcher season two art. I don't know if you had a chance to look at any of those screeners yet, but uh, nope, not yet. I think you watched the first season of that show. I saw the
1: first episode, <laughs> and uh, people really, really, really like it.
0: Yeah, people really like it.
1: Looks fantastic. All
0: right, uh, so that is what's new to see. <laughs> Zach, I'm sorry. What? Emily comes. <laughs> Oh, did I miss that one? I'm sorry to ruin your, I'm sorry to ruin your flow, but it's just.
1: <laughs> I know that you're I'm very excited for the I new. Get. I'm almost positive.
0: I know you're very excited for the new Emily in Paris. That that's top of your list.
1: Look, Zach, I, I know you want to talk about Succession, but Emily is still in Paris. Okay, yeah,
0: we we got to talk uh, about the my... best show on television.
1: I apologize. All right, continue. <laughs> it might not even come out this weekend.
0: <laughs> I think they moved it back. Do you All have right. any picks for the Let's week get to the other rest. than the stuff we talked about or, or just the stuff we talked about?
1: Uh, go back and buy yourself the Spider-Man 2 4K. I've been watching the behind the scenes. Nah, this stuff is fantastic. You know, Zach, you know that scene on the train? Yeah. With Spider-Man?
0: Iconic scene. It's,
1: a, it's an iconic scene, right? What do you think about the city?
0: Touche, touche. Uh-oh, you're going a little positive. The
1: Big Apple from the Second City itself. Uh, That's probably the only picks that I have right now.
0: All right, cool. Uh, So, yeah, that is our picks for the week in the new to see. Let us wind it up with our topic of the week. The biggest thing on everyone's mind if you're if you're a culture watcher it's got to be the season three finale of succession and a reminder that we are getting into full succession spoilers here spoilers so we've been warned right it
1: says it right on the screen yeah there it is spoilers i spoilers. watch it check it out it's good
0: All right. yeah <laughs> with the non-spoiler review it's excellent watch it immediately uh, but let's get into the stuff that we want to talk about here Because Succession made has made some of its boldest, most unexpected turns in season finales For season 1 and for season 2 So last night's episode had a lot to live up to And we are happy to report that Succession is undefeated 3-4-3 three, three. What an episode, one that's getting a lot of comparisons to Game of Thrones' Red Wedding If you want to gauge in terms of how much of an impact it's having All right How are you feeling after an intense week, an intense nine weeks of succession?
1: Uh, Like we said, anybody who thought that this was ramping up to be slow wasn't paying attention to the breadcrumbs that they were leaving. The red herrings, just just faking us out with so many things that we thought were going to lead up to be something that may have not been something. But in terms of just the last two weeks, I know a lot of people like the, the party one. Uh, for Kendall's birthday Mm -hmm. Uh, people were really hyped for that one I was like "All right, that one's solid it really showed them getting nastier than they've ever been Uh, last week's I felt was an 11 out of 10 episode that was probably the best episode of Succession they've ever done and then they followed up here with one of the most surprising ending finales I honestly didn't see coming and like I said I've been watching this with my entire family and we were just our jaws were to the floor we could not believe it and there's no better comparison than to say that uh, a certain member sent their regards in this one.
0: <laughs> I, this is the kind of television episode that made me want to run through a wall. Like it, it ended and I was just like full <laughs> of a trend Fully. like yes, succession. It's so good. Uh that it goes to show you though like you can you can be obsessed with a show and still kind of Get surprised in these ways when the writing is as good as it is on a show like Succession. You know, like I, I've been trying, I've been obsessing over like what are the different permutations of how this power dynamic can play out, and and what happened was not one of the things that occurred to me. So let, let's get into some of the things that happened because we started off with a sigh of relief as it was revealed that uh, Kendall, not dead, just fell asleep. Just, just, just took a nap and slipped off of his inflatable. No big deal. Good thing Comfrey was there. Art, be honest. Did you think that Kendall was dead after last week's episode?
1: Man, after what you were telling me, uh, kind of a little bit. I, I was telling, I was telling my whole family. I was like, yeah, he's gone. Episode even begins with uh, Logan reading the book about uh, he was dead, he's gone, is he completely uh, whatever he was reading to his grandkid. I was like, all right, they're just, they're just teasing you. They're just playing with right. it. But I did feel almost like it was a trick up his sleeve to a degree which ends up really getting uh kind of tossed back at you the uh, as we get further on in the episode with how the siblings come together but um yeah what were your thoughts on it in
0: terms of all the jealous at this minute? like the sort of big decision that the best show on tv could get away with right like what what how can you actually one-up yourself when you've done the kind of Things that you've done already on Succession, you could kill off the main character. Um, It it seemed within the realm of possibility. It felt a little bit like maybe not enough of a big moment for them to have done it, but like in a weird way, I feel like that's that's how The Sopranos would do it too, right? Like it wouldn't feel like this big climactic moment. It would just kind of happen because that's sort of Mm -hmm. how it happens. Uh, so, So I had convinced myself, and not only that, but like the New Yorker profile. Just the timing it to that week. It, it's the kind of thing that comes out when a character, when it, when an actor is leaving a show, and so maybe that we're just trying to play four D chess a little bit too much. But it felt a little bit like you know they were. This was like an ode to what Jeremy Strong has done on Succession. Period. That's it. Um, I'm glad I was wrong, but it definitely felt like that for a little bit.
1: If he's gone, I feel like the show's done. Like I you you miss such a big factor that people were tuning in for on a weekly basis, it just wouldn't even be a smart move. That would be dumber than selling the company <laughs> and losing all, all of the control.
0: Yeah. That's the thing is like it, it ultimately I think robs them of so many opportunities if you're getting rid of somebody who is as interesting to watch as Jeremy Strong, somebody who's as interesting the character as Kendall has become um that New Yorker profile did have a lot of really interesting things in it. I think one of the things that I responded to the most was this whole discussion that they talked about between Kiernan Culkin and Jeremy Strong, uh, in which <laughs> apparently Jeremy Strong said to Kiernan, he was worried that people are going to think it's a comedy, to which Kiernan said, I think it is a comedy. And maybe no scene did, that, uh, did is that more relevant to than the big scene this week, as Roman and Shiv realize they're being left out of a deal in which Gojo might buy Waystar rather than the other way around, they try to huddle up with Ken. But Ken is more of a crumble and cry, more in a crumble and cry kind of mood. I think succession heads have been waiting since that scene midway through season two, between uh, when Kendall cries a little bit in front of Shiv. To get back to that kind of moment of vulnerability between these siblings. Mm-hmm. And it finally came rushing out when Kendall conve- confessed that he was with the dead waiter on the night of Shiv's wedding, or as he says, he killed a kid. Art, what did you make of this moment?
1: Uh, I went directly back to rewatch the scene from season one because uh, he does say he, we were arguing on whether he had gone back. I was like, no, nah, he did. Mm-hmm. It is because he dove back in to try to say, of the kid that you still have uh you know you're still rooting for his character because he's not as cold-blooded as say you know logan is when we when we look at him not completely um, soulless not completely soulless like he says i'm the good guy i'm the better version of you uh so no as i really Roman says I enjoyed, he's fine <laughs> exactly I, I did love the interaction between um what's his name uh culkin's character in where he's always been yeah roman's always been the little brother who still comes in in that season one he goes and he takes him from the trap house that he's in he is defending him when they're having that intervention scene in the one cabin and even here again and trying to crack the joke about why it took so long to get his chin and sonic fantastic just fantastic delivery between the
0: two. i mean that's that's you know the arguing over is succession a comedy is succession a drama. I think is ultimately useless when you see a scene like that that functions so perfectly as both comedy and drama. Right? Like it, yeah. whether it is a comedy or it's a drama, it is doing both at the highest of levels. And uh, to get away with that scene in which, like, I think one problem I have with TV in general is sometimes a traumatic thing will happen to a character and the mechanics of television demand that that character get over it really quickly. And I think Succession has done a really good job of stringing along Kendall's grief and, and showing him process it, go through different uh, different phases with it, and also that like a talk like this isn't going to heal him. like It's going to be a burden off of his shoulders, but he's still a shell of himself for basically the rest of the episode. It, it, mm-hmm. succession is smart enough to recognize that like these are are really really difficult conversations to have and his siblings don't particularly want to have it with him either like you, Shiv again and again is kind of like okay can we uh c- can we take him somewhere else like do we have to do this here and but but they still are able to navigate it in a way that is both intelligent and like emotionally re- resonant um I I just thought that this was one of the best written scenes uh, I've seen on television quite a while. And the framing, um, dude. And yeah, the I mean, framing. that shot that I have up on the live right now is a beautiful, beautiful shot to end this all with. Just the siblings, like, <laughs> huddled together, but also, like, th- not necessarily the warmest embrace, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it leaves them in a really interesting place. Uh, but now, United... The Roy children, minus the eldest son, we should say. Shouts to uh, pink, <laughs> pink Sweets and Shane. Um, t- they take a car and they hatch out a plan to work together, attempts to sell the company. But Tom had it right when he said, I've hmm. never seen Logan get fucked. He's ready and waiting for them. Art, you have been Team Logan all season long. Was this the heavyweight performance that you were waiting for?
1: Look, bro, it's not, It's not. you see, you make it like it's a choice. It's not about whether being Team Logan or not. It's just about who's always on top. You can't bet against Papa Logan. You just can't. Um, the cat was in the bag, bro. If he said the cat was in the bag, they took the, they took the cat out of the bag. It, that's all you could say. And uh, I knew that no matter what decision he was going to go for, it was going to be the best out of it because literally none of these three have been able to build up one to be able to defeat their dad the entire season but also uh, in terms of making the decision, decisions for the company uh, he usually knows what's best and if he thinks it's done I usually lean on him uh sequel him and um uh, Scar- Scargar's character where they have the one-on-one with each other and they're arguing about who uh, who's going to take over who and it kind of sounds like Brian Cox is bending the knee but he's not really mm-hmm. um, I thought that whole sequence was uh, fantastically done because I keep hearing something in Logan's voice like does he still have something up his sleeve right. does he really push the ropes and uh, Brian Cox just plays it fantastically and what better burn than mimicking your own daughter.
0: I I tweeted about so this. So uncalled for. I tweeted about this, but, like, th- this is a show that has some of the most cleverly written, sharply written insults in the history of television. And none of them are as devastating as Brian Cox exactly. going, what are well, you doing as the supermajority? <laughs> so-
1: he's been waiting on that one, bro. The amount of times that she just comes up and he's... He's, he's always been Okay, th- he had enough. <laughs> he was building up to that yep, moment. Yep. Uh, that, was, that was hilarious, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, something about that last scene that I found really interesting was that Jerry, Frank, and Carl are all just kind of sitting there silently while this family dispute happens because they've worked their way into that room and they've mm-hmm. earned a spot there. And the kids... Mm-hmm just kind of feel entitled to it because of their last name. They've like, always been, yeah. But Yes, like, they've gone through a lot with their father. But ultimately, like, what have they actually done? And, like, yeah, we relate to the kids because they're flawed in understandable human ways and we've seen them through, go through their ups and downs, but ultimately they're asking for things that they have not earned. And I think the show likes to remind us that in, in these very, very harsh ways.
1: Mm-hmm. Agreed.
0: Yeah, I mean... And to me, the most notable is obviously Roman, because like we've talked about this before when we were talking about Succession. This kind of feels like it's it's a little bit Roman season, right? Like they've they've given Roman the real mm-hmm. chance. He's kind of I mean,
1: except for one other character, but yeah, go except ahead. for one other character, but except it, for one this other was,
0: this was the season that they gave Roman a chance at succeeding his father, and for sure. and he couldn't really get there. And I think at the end what really keeps him is like you see he's he's trying to reason with him arguing about love and saying please because he's so desperate to hold on to the hope that his dad actually loves him or loves him enough to prioritize his kids over his business and then he learns in the most harsh way possible that no his dad doesn't love him that much he, he no. loves him a bit he he was thinking of Carving, thinking of a spot for him, and he tries to offer him a deal during that whole fight. But he's not going to bend over backwards to to help his kids because they're his kids. Uh, and ultimately, he's he's a businessman, you know. That's and even more than that. He he gets excited by yeah. doing these kinds of deals. Uh, even Jerry, the way that
1: Jerry shuts him down, that was another thing. He it was a it <laughs> was a, a one two punch for him in that one room. Shh honestly and then what sucks is that it's going to be a third one because he's going to realize real quickly that both of his siblings are going to leave him in the dust as well because the only reason they're working with him at this point in time is only because they need him
0: yeah yeah um finally the roy children are left wondering how they got fucked who told logan that they were coming uh when tom father (laughs) appears nonchalantly Uh strolling in after a pat on the arm from Logan. Uh, We end the episode with a devastated Shiv crying and shaken as Tom gives her a cold kiss on the forehead. Art, you were saying that Tom has become one of your favorite characters on the show this season. He's definitely our Power Player of the Week. What did you think of his chess move?
1: Of the year, this man came in and just owned this season completely right from the beginning getting his uh, get out of jail for free card. (laughs) That whole Monopoly (laughs) sequence, just for that bit, we've been talking about, like, it feels like a lot of these moments I personally are built up to make memes. You know what? This one was right on the money in terms of uh, having that bit for Tom. And then just everything that he went through in the previous episode, you had this whole moment in where he was really being belittled by Shiv. Not just verbally, but also in terms of his hopes of having a child, something that gets brought Mm -hmm. up in this one as well, which, a side note, uh, there may be another logan jr on the <laughs> way which is so my goodness what yeah. <laughs> literally none of his kids can succeed so he's trying to make a whole other one from the <laughs> um he's
0: drinking that macaroni
1: he sheesh he it... tom season three in my opinion uh i thought uh would you say the actor's name was again Thomas matthew mcfadyen Matthew see, I'm, I'm being disrespectful here. I, I can't forget this name. I know this man's been around since Pride and Prejudice*. He has completely demolished this role. He, uh, just in the nuances of what he had in that conversation between him and um, Greg. Why do you need a soul, Zach? When you get <laughs> when you get twenty Gregs at your own disposal. Those are boring. No, just the just a journey that he's gone on uh, in this season alone from being able to have a father figure from thinking that he was going to be drinking wine out of a toilet. To always asking Shiv when she had these crazy plans, cool, but what about me? Yeah. Well, now it's about where do him. Where I fit in? He found a way. He found where he fit. Fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's so good. I mean, Tom has, you know, when Tom is forced to interact with the rest of the Roys, you kind of get that Midwestern nice thing where he's he's a little bit of a yokel compared to them. He's not quite as used to the cutthroat world of high society and he he tries to be nice you know he tries to uh sh- like he tried to kind of get his way through love and affection and just sort of being around and here i think we're seeing he finally is learning the ways of this world that you have to mm-hmm. you have to be a little bit cutthroat to 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 stand among these these giants and you know he's he was someone who was constantly under Shiv's thumb and was his little yep. uh, was Shiv's little you know puppet and he kind of proved himself here to be a, more than that i i do wonder uh as uh we see uh Bizoya in the in the live stream if Shiv is going to make it known that she spe- suspects Tom is a traitor i do wonder what that fallout will be like like is the is it the kind of thing that will make Shiv actually respect Tom for for taking a stand or will she take it personally cuz Tom fucked her in this situation.
1: Like, is that going to be something that actually turns her on? She's finally, yeah. Right. That'd be, because, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that gets played off.
0: Definitely. Uh, Pink Sweet, uh saying in the live stream here, all season Tom kept asking where do I fit in and Shiv never gave him a straight answer. Gaslit him after saying she didn't love him during their foreplay. A mess. Yeah, I mean, sh- Shiv has been kind of like an awful partner to Tom. Refused to hear yeah. him out when he was anxious about going to jail. And now Shiv calls calls needing something and... Tom's season out, like, you know, Tom has been preparing for some kind of move, we've, we've been suspecting that he had something up his sleeve, or, or was going to do something all along and th- offering himself up to Logan turns out to have been, like, the big the thing. biggest, yeah. The biggest move of the season and something that kind of felt like it was, uh, no longer gonna be relevant, turning out to be, like, the, the final blow here. Um Um... I did think it was interesting, the first two seasons of Succession ended with a power balance shifting uh, moment that primarily happened between Kendall and Logan. Mm -hmm. This one widens the blast range and hits more people. I kind of feel like that's why it's getting this sort of Red Wedding comparison, because it's not just like, you know... uh, the father is now on top again or the son is now on top again. This is like this family has been shaken. Every single character has been shaken by the end of this episode. And it's Good. It, it's definitely a highlight. I don't know if I'm ready to call it like my favorite episode of Succession, but it is definitely an all-timer.
1: It is. Uh... The last one, the penultimate one, still my favorite one. I just think that that was fantastic just all around with every single uh, character interaction that they had. But in terms of an ending, I really do like how they played us because I, I too was like always thinking every single one ends with a big Kendo moment, a big Kendo moment, a big Kendo versus his father moment. And that is there, but you get hit with the sideline that is uh, Tom sending his regards. So mm-hmm. just fantastic overall. And I, I'm very curious to see what it expands to in the next season and with all the other side characters that we now have involved as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we've been talking about this episode for, like, I don't know, 15 minutes now, and we haven't even brought up that ki- Greg is now going to become the king of <laughs> Luxembourg <royalty>. or something. <laughs> Yo,
1: yeah, Connor's worried about being president. He's We got royalty in the house.
0: Uh, do you have any thoughts on season four, things that you want to see? I, one thing I know I want to see is I'm hoping... They bring Alexander Skarsgård back. I, I thought among all of the new characters they've brought in, he's got an energy that really matches the show. Uh, and it's just a great performance by Skarsgård so far. And especially because of the situation with the the storyline, it would make sense for him to stick around. So I'd, I would be happy mm-hmm. to see if he got up, upgraded to being a regular even. He should be. I thought he was fantastic. I was
1: very excited for him uh, coming into this season. I think he delivered exactly what I wanted. Uh, him to be and we haven't even because he's like on edge we haven't even seen him actually deliver the type of crazy character that he is because when he tweets they seem like mild tweets but it's because of the background that everybody knows him as that they know how crazy he can get um i do want to see a lot of uh because I do feel you also had a lot of the COVID protocols that affected much of the earlier episodes. So I'm curious now that they're going to be able to film a lot more, uh, throughout the country or, you know, in different places. I think the finale really showcased that they had Mm -hmm. some beautiful sweeping shots. Like, yes, we're focusing on the dialogue and the story, but like when they entered into the, uh, into the wedding, uh, even when they went to go visit the father, they had a lot of these aerial shots that were just fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm curious to see how they're able to expand on that. And, just bringing back other characters cuz like Marsha know now side character um, I want to see more of Stewie Yeah just just a lot of the other characters that they that they've showcased that so, I think would be really interesting to see how they play off of each other
0: So Pink Sweets in the live stream comments here says do y'all have a negative about the season mine would be some of the background players wanted more Willa no Marsha Comfrey was boring where did Jess go Yeah I think that kind of Uh, touches on what you were talking about. It was a very Roy family-centric season. Like, uh, it really was their internal squabblings and stuff. And that's really the core of the show. That's what you want. But I think like what you were talking about, now that they've introduced all these characters, they've kind of built a big world for Succession to live in. And I'd Mm -hmm. like to see a little bit more of some of those people within it um, to, to, you know, spend a little bit more time with Stewie, to spend a little bit more time Finding out what uh, some of these characters' deals are. Um, I think maybe some of that is even that it was nine episodes, not ten. Like, we're just listening list- to little bits here and there. Uh, but you're
1: getting into a point where a lot of the episodes in this season introduce things. Like, be it what Kendall has to do with his kids. Be it the new president that they're trying to get into. Be it the shareholders. There's going to come a point where each episode is going to have to, you know, like, intercut through different... Uh, storylines that they've set up. They're going to have to go deal with the funding people. They're going to have to go deal with the fact that yes, there is an election coming up that they're going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like there, there should be simultaneous things throughout each episode instead of just a party, yeah. instead of just this. And I think those are the best episodes where they're uh, crossing different storylines in different places. And I think that yeah, you know, again, maybe the COVID protocols right uh, are will pause a lot of that. But I'm I'm very curious to see what they're able to do in for... the following season. Sure,
0: yeah, a lot of things to hope for in the following season of Succession, but. uh all good stuff, man. I mean, it, it was just an incredible season of television. That's was great. Uh, and, You know, there were some people who were worried at first, but the way things wrapped up, like, they are... Th- there's no quality drop between seasons in terms of what they're doing here. Um, so I think that's just about it. I think we're going to wrap up. But just a reminder to those of you who are hanging out with us in the live stream... Uh, that we are going to be back tomorrow on Mm -hmm. Intercut Pod, breaking down the Sundance 2022 schedule. We're really excited to do that, Uh, getting back into the film festival game. And of course, a lot of the Sundance film festival is going to be available online. So even if you aren't going to make the trip out to Utah like we are, uh, you can still catch a lot of these exciting new movies that haven't been seen before. We will talk about all of them on Sun, on our Sundance podcast tomorrow uh, but yeah that's about it for this week's episode you can catch more from me Zach Shevich by following me on Twitter, Instagram or Letterboxd at Shevich Art where can people find more from you you can
1: listen to all my rambling thoughts over on Letterboxd Twitter or every week here on the int- you can pod. catch
0: Yes. you can catch every episode of the Intercut podcast on itunes soundcloud spotify or your favorite podcatcher i like overcast and then make sure you're subscribed to the audio not just the audio podcast but the video feed as well on our youtube channel YouTube.com slash intercut pod where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of intercut every Monday. It's a Monday. We did it. Please leave us a comment. Like the video. Consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much requested five-star review. You know, like that's, that's all I want for the holidays is some new five-star reviews to read out on the program. Like we haven't gotten one in a little while and like, it, it makes me a little bit sad. It makes me a little I'm bit. i print it out. I'm going to wrap it. I'm going to send it to Zach. That would she be lovely. Right that would be my favorite Christmas gift. So please head over to iTunes and drop us that five-star review. It means a lot to us. And shout out to our listeners in Belgium and Indonesia who've put us on the TV and film podcast Shots are there. Like our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. All of them are at Intercut Pod and support our Patreon as well at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all the guests we feature here on Intercut Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, souls are boring. Boo souls.